great to be here this morning to share with you again. Today I want to talk to you, and I've been talking to you over the last few weeks about your calling, about all of us being called, and I want to talk to you about living in that calling. You see, we're called to have confidence in God. It's called having faith. We're supposed to have faith. We're supposed to truly rely on the truths of the Bible. We rely on the teaching that we glean from the Bible and all of the truths within. And you see, that's the foundations that our life need to be built upon. Our lives need to be built upon the truth. And you see, we're entering into a Christmas period now where we're going to get opportunities to share. You're going to get so many opportunities to share the true meaning of Christmas. And you see, how well do we know the real story of Christmas? How, long, how well do the people around us know the real story of Christmas? Or have they get caught up in the commercial nightmare that is Christmas? That's basically, buy this or you're not right, do this or you're not right, you know, and all of the other things that we can get caught up in. But I just want to encourage you about your calling, and I just want to look at that and just um, encourage you in it. And today I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. So it's a, different, it's a slightly different translation, but I really love the, some of the emphasis within some of the words. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3 from verse 1. And you probably know these verses. They'll probably be recognized if you've been in Christian circles a while. We do read them quite regularly um, within our walk with God. But I love the, uh, the twist that this puts on it. It says, My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. For we have already experienced heart circumcision. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in the laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. See, this message is supposed to be one of the most awe-inspiring messages that anybody could ever hear, ever. And what Paul's saying is here is don't limit the joy you feel whenever you hear this message again. Don't limit how much it can transform you. It's amazing. We've got to rejoice in this message. We've got to rejoice in the fact that we get to know Jesus, that we get to hear Jesus. We've got to realize and teach ourselves this again and again and again. It's something that we constantly need to remind ourselves of. That's why we do communion regularly, because it reminds us of the message of hope that Jesus brought. Yes, we look at it and we look at a death and resurrection. And through the death and resurrection, it was tragic. It was really, oh, it was heartbreaking for those. But now that we see the whole story knitted out throughout history, we can look back and we can go, what a wonderful story that was. Yes, it's traumatic at the time, whenever Jesus died, but it brought around the redemption of the human race. The story of Jesus coming, and that's why Christmas is so amazing that we get to share the story of Jesus coming. Jesus came to transform the world. We've got to tell ourselves this again and again. We've got to tell the world again and again. You know what? Christmas, it did happen. 
believe it or not, that did happen. It's funny, I was watching, I heard a TV advert the other day, and it said something that I was just like, that's not right. And it's just like, if the wise men was around then, they would have shopped an Asda. That's basically what it said. And they would have got all of this for a tenner. That's, basic, that's what the advert said, and I was, I was sitting there going, actually, no, that's not what the Christmas is about. That's not, what, um, that's not where the wise men would have shopped, because what did the wise men do? The wise men brought the best they had. They would have went to, like, the House of Fraser and bought, like, the stupidly ridiculous expensive shirts for, like, 500 quid a shirt or whatever. They would have went and got the best, because, and they would have brought the best. And I see, that's what we need to do with our life. We need to bring our best to God and best to Jesus and realize that he's surrounding us and he's protecting us and he's guiding us through life. We've got to realize that, you know what, we have a God that fights for us, a God that fights alongside of us, a God that says, you know what, vengeance is mine. I'm going to protect you and I'm going to um, do everything I need to do to make sure that you can fight the battles that I've given you to fight and to make sure you don't fight battles you're not meant to fight. You know what, God gives us enough grace for each day and then how do we fight our battles? We fight our battles with, by praising Him. We fight our battles by worshiping God, by engaging with Him and allowing our lives to be transformed. We've sing that song, this is how we fight our battles. You know, and we are surrounded, but we're not surrounded by evil. We're not surrounded by wrong, but we need to surround ourselves with God. We need to surround ourselves with worship, with praise, with a lifestyle that honors God. See, no matter how far you go anywhere in this world, God's there. God's right there. God's with you. And not only that, God's in you. Not only is He with you, not only is He surrounding you, but He's in you. We talked about the Holy Spirit there living in us. You see, we can't go anywhere to escape this love. So we need to keep telling us the message of Jesus, this message of hope, the message of how much He loves you. And he accepts you just as you are, not as you wish you were, but just as you are. But the, you know what? The beautiful thing is he doesn't leave us as we are. He doesn't leave us as fallen, broken, hopeless human beings. But he takes us and like a potter molds clay, he shapes our lives and transforms us. He allows his grace and his mercy to flow through us. He forgives us for the wrong we've done and he doesn't give us the consequences of that wrong. And then he gives us his love that we don't deserve and his grace that we don't deserve. See, we need to keep reminding ourselves of who has God made me to be? Who am I in God? We do that. We're made to worship. We're made to declare the praises of God. We're made to show his glory to all the earth. We're made to praise God together. That's why it's been such a hard time through this lockdown, because we know we, we haven't been physically present with each other. As good as virtually being present with each other is, it's good to be physically present with each other. And we know what, a lot of us have missed out on some of that. See, the sad thing is, and the sad truth is, that there's a lot of people that's turned Christianity and this, what we do, into a religion. They've made it into something that we just do, something that we, um, rules and regulations that we follow. It says, do this, but don't do this. Believe this, but don't believe that. Say this, but don't say that. Think this, but don't think that. And sometimes whenever our thinking doesn't match up to what we think, we need to be thinking and do what we need to be doing. We feel so inadequate. We feel so broken. And you see, God didn't design us to be like that. 
God didn't design us to follow rules and regulations. We actually, um, we actually got Moses to request the rules and regulations that we meant to follow. But God never designed us to live like that. See, in the Garden of Eden, God created men and women and, men, and just said, go and live any way you please. They had total freedom. They went and he kept the knowledge of good and evil from us. So we were able to do everything and anything without the knowledge of what was good and what was bad. See, we could do anything we want without knowledge or recourse. See, and God invited people, and He still invites us to walk with Him. It says that Adam and Eve walked with Him and talked with Him, and as they knew God and as God knew them, their lives were a reflection of their relationship with God. Humans were blissfully unaware that there was a way to live and a way not to live. See, they lived with God, and their life was a reflection of that. And then, through an act of our own disobedience, sin and death entered into the world. The knowledge of the way things were meant to be and weren't meant to be entered in. And today, that's still our reality. That's what we live in. We live in the knowledge of good and evil. We live in the, in the, the strife that that causes and the death that it brings. See, Paul, in essence, is saying that Jesus came to strip back the knowledge of good and evil. He came to strip back all of that and remove it from the conversation so that when we enter in, we enter in just as we are. We used to sing an old hymn, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. And that's the thing. Jesus' blood covers us. When you come and you step into this relationship with God, it's Jesus' grace covers us. It's not about what we do or don't do. It's not about what we believe or don't believe. It's not about what we say or don't say. It's not about anything that we can actually do. It's all about His grace and mercy being shown to us. And that's why we don't rely on our own selves. I love the verses in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in Him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ, so no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Now, that's a different version than I'm sure most of you are used to, but the message is the same. Our striving and our doing will never earn us this gift. It'll never earn us this relationship. It'll never earn us this. And yes, good and evil do exist, and we live in the strife of that, but Whenever we focus on God and we chase after God and we follow God, we won't want to do evil. We won't want to do what's wrong. We will live our lives in a way that honors God. Why? Because we'll be a reflection of God. See, if you rely on the rules, if you rely on a religion, you're going to have to follow every single one to the letter. And I don't know about you, but I, I know that I can never do that. Because I know I regularly break the rules. Not in a massive way, but in, a, in sometimes the most subtlest way. Do I always put God first in my life? Do I always honor Him above and beyond everything else? Do I ever put anything before Him? The first one already we've fallen. Because we know we sometimes we put things ahead of God in our life. But we need to... Uh, we need to live not under the religion of, oh, I've made the mistake, so therefore I'm done. 
but we come under the grace of God. We constantly come to God in His grace. We constantly come surrounded by His grace. We boast in what Jesus has done. We boast in the finished work that's on the cross. And that's the beauty of what God done. And this liberates us from all the mistakes. It liberates us from anything. You see, Paul, he grew up as a religious fanatic. He knew the rules and he followed them. He believed everything. He knew the rules to the letter. And you know what? He even goes on to read a list of his qualifications just so that everybody would know, like, this, this is who I was. I lived under these rules, and I excelled under these rules. From, in verse 4 in Philippians 3, it says, If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based upon the law, faultless. He was saying, look, I had this religion thing sorted. I had it done, and I was doing everything to the letter. He knew the rules. He followed them. See, sometimes there's plenty of people who live a good life. And they think that by living this good life, that's going to be good enough. Oh, at the end, it'll be good versus bad. I'll be weighed up on the scales, and, you know, that's the way God looks at things. That's never what is taught in this book. It's never what's taught in the Bible. Yes, we live in a way to honor God, but we do it out of relationship. We don't do it out of any other reason. You know what? You can do the best methods. You can even follow all the rules and regulations in the book, in the Bible, but if you don't have the relationship, it's pointless. Paul was, Paul was saying, you know what? I was zealous. I was following the rules. I was zealous for God. I was doing everything he asked of me except for the one thing that he needed to do, which is actually to know him. See, back then he didn't know or care what God had done for him. But whenever Jesus met him on that road that day, he had an encounter that transformed his reality it transformed life as he knew it. See, Jesus showed him who he really was and why he really came, and that changed the whole view and reality of, of God, of religion, of, uh, of life, of relationship, of what this whole thing was meant to be around. In verse 7, Paul goes on to say, Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took for credit, I've now forsaken them. I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight and experience of Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him, meaning letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. See, the reality of not living your life by rules and regulations, but living uh, your life for God changes everything. He says, I lived the good life. I fought the good fight. I did the good things. I'd done all of the good I could do. But he says that was all manure. All manure to the, to the fact of actually knowing who God was. See, living a good life will make you feel good but it won't do anything more than that. 
It's knowing God's forgiveness through Jesus, through Jesus coming down to earth and dying for all the wrong that we have done. That's what brings us to who we really are. Do we live our lives in this way? Do we live our lives constantly in that knowledge? Or are we still trying to live the good life? Are we still trying to do good things for the sake of doing good things? See, we live in a selfish culture, don't we? We're quite narcissistic in the way we think. A lot of us even have our own social medias where we, or YouTube channels or whatever it is, and we post our thoughts to the world thinking that, you know what, this is our thoughts, this is who I am, this is uh, what I can do, this is uh, my, the way I think, this is my thoughts. And a lot of people share their own opinions. See, when did we as a culture become so self-entitled to think that our opinion is more important than any other's? And then, heaven forbid, somebody should actually disagree with us or have an opposing argument or opinion. Sometimes we, if somebody does come against us, we act victimized or we get offended or we get angry. Oh, how dare somebody challenge me and challenge what I think? If you look at all the fake news stories going around, most of them start as an opinion of somebody random who knows nothing about nothing. See, we live in an entitled society that tells you that we have the right to our opinions, we have the right to think whatever we think, and if anybody comes against you, you know, you're going to get attacked and then you're going to, um, you know, you're going to feel offended. See, sometimes we are self-righteous in the way we live our lives. Sometimes we do think our opinion is higher than any other's. See, we as disciples of Jesus are meant to empty ourselves of this. We're meant to empty ourselves of our own opinions, our own thoughts, our own beliefs. And we're meant to gleam what we're meant to gleam from the Bible. We're meant to be enriched by the truth and be filled with God's righteousness, not self-righteousness. In verse 9, Paul says this, My passion is to be consumed with him and not cling to my own righteousness based in keeping the written law. My righteousness will be his, based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. You see, our own right standing, thinking in our own right standing, it doesn't serve anybody except ourselves. It won't do anybody any good. We'll never reach the world by believing whatever we want about whatever we think. This is why our faith needs to be in Jesus and God alone. A few weeks ago, we talked about the vine, being plugged into the vine. If we glean anything apart from, from God, it's really not going to be useful to the world, is it? It's not going to be a useful way to live our life. We've got to be plugged in. We've got to be plugged in so that we can be an expression of God, so that we can truly be who God created us to be. So right now, if you believe something and the Bible says different, I'm sorry to tell you you're wrong. I'm sorry to tell you you've got to change your way you think. You've got to stop being entitled to think that your opinion matters more than either anybody else's or especially God's. See, God can't use anyone who's arrogant enough to think that their thoughts are greater than anybody else's or greater than His. 
We're called in humility to prefer one another. We're called to serve one another. We're called to a life of service. You see, in Philippians 2, it says that Jesus was God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't show off. Just because he was God, he didn't show off. But in humility, he got on his knees and he served people. He got on his knees and he did whatever he could to love people. And that's what being righteous in God's eyes looks like. It's not about your opinion getting prevalence. It's not about your thoughts getting prevalence. It's about God's way being prevalent in you. This is the way of serving, the way of humility. You know what? God served us by sending Jesus. And that's the, that's the Christmas period we're entering into. We're entering into a time that he sent Jesus, and Jesus came and served, and he reminded us. He reminded us to love and serve one another. See, when we do this, then we live in a way worthy. And it allows us, if we look at verse 10, it allows us to do this. And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings, and I will be one with him in his death. Only then I will be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I admit that I haven't yet acquired absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Do we do this? Do we die to ourselves? Do we die to our own selfishness? Do we serve one another in love? Are we willing to lay down our lives, our thoughts, our plans for God's? For other people's? We're called to daily take up our cross and follow Him. Today we're invited to remember, to pursue God, to pursue His righteousness. What did Jesus say? Seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and all the things will be added to you. Pursue God's kingdom. Seek after Him. You want to be one with God. You want to have your relationship be strong with God. Give up everything. Paul said he longs for this but he hasn't yet acquired it. He hadn't acquired the fullness of it. And all of us could probably say that about our own walk. In fact, all of us should say that, you know, because you know we've got so much further into God to go. But he says he's choosing to run with passion. He's choosing to run. And the NIV says this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Are you allowing God to take hold of you? Are you allowing Jesus to come into your life and take hold of you? And then you press into what he takes hold of you for? Or are you still trying to do your own things, your own plans? Allow Jesus to take hold of you today. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, allow God to take hold of you. It comes out of who we are, out of who we choose to be. Don't choose to try and be good. Don't choose to try and follow rules and regulations, but choose to live in the relationship. So what are you going to do with God's invitation today? Are you going to say yes to all that he has or try and get there on your own? God's righteousness or self-righteousness? Servant or master? Humble or prideful? I did it my way or I did it God's way? Are we going to press towards the goal for the prize which God has placed and called you heavenward for in Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. God, we just want to come to you humbly and we want to say sorry for when we've made mistakes. Sorry for when we haven't honored you. Sorry for when we've let the ball drop. Sorry for when we... Um, focus on rules and regulations instead of focusing on you, instead of focusing on the life that comes from the Father in heaven through the message of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we sometimes lose hope. We sometimes lose focus. We sometimes lose strength. But God, today we want to humble ourselves. We want to serve one another in love. We want to love people the way that you've loved us, by giving everything. You've given everything for us. So God, we just come to you. You're the author and you're the perfecter of our faith. We want to come and we want to know you. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Why? Because we've humbled ourselves and we've served and we've loved you. We haven't tried to do things in our own strength. We haven't tried to be what we've not been called to be, but we've allowed ourselves to be who you say we are, honey, you've called us to be. God, we want to humble ourselves and we want to take on your righteousness. We want to put on uh, a cloak of your righteousness after shedding our own. God, we say yes to your plans, yes and amen to all the things that you have got for us, God. Even if we can't see the reason why. The disciples didn't see the reason why whenever Jesus died. But it's only in hindsight they realized what you were doing, Jesus, on the cross. So during this Christmas season, God, may we be filled with the hope that you've given us. May we be filled with that hope and just be filled with inspiration just to share with everyone the love of God. May we know that love and walk in that love. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen.